Welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. This week, you've got myself and Brennan. We're going to talk about a very minor blip in the box office this weekend, um, as well as some of the Netflix top 10 movies and what we've been watching, as well as the long-awaited return to the theater. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebabble.com. That is just Movie Babble now. Um, and other than that, let's jump into it. So the uh, the biggest news coming out of the box office is Becky. Uh, which is basically Kevin James's Uncut Gems, from what I understand, uh, just not as good. And it pulled in a whopping $178,000 worldwide in a 42-theater run over the weekend. Um, so it's mainly in drive-in theaters. I think exclusively it was in drive-in theaters. And then some video on demand uh, numbers from that, but those won't really play into its box office performance just because of the way everything is calculated. Um, so at least are starting to return. I know next week which was supposed to be a release in August, I believe. Uh, that's now a Disney Plus release, and we'll see uh, the King of Staten Island. So we're we're getting some momentum going with with bigger movies coming out now. Yeah, and you know what, Becky's Becky's quite a funny story. This uh, Kevin James movie. I remember seeing um still images from it and kind of just hearing about what it was about um it's kind of interesting to see him take on this role but i mean i just i don't know if i could take him seriously um but i'd be very down to watch this movie if if there was any way i could (laughs) um but yeah as you said 170 grand worldwide i think it put up one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars in north america this weekend pretty much as you said exclusively in drive-in theaters so that is pretty good i mean we're, we're starting to see numbers and the drive-in theaters are making quite a splash this year this is probably going to be one of their better years in in a while um which is i guess a, a odd upside for that aspect of the uh entertainment industry but uh <laughs> becky i mean uh, kevin james this is this is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's like it's weirdly working out pretty favorably for the drive-in theater in my city because it actually closed down uh, permanently about a year and a half ago and then somebody bought it and like they've had a successful summer so far because it's the only place you can really see movies right now um so i i think a lot of the country is seeing that i don't you know really know if drive-in theaters are kind of a worldwide thing i would assume probably not anymore um but i know at least domestically they've been making quite a comeback yeah um where, where i live out here um a little outside the toronto area is uh, we're seeing drive-in theaters now. They got approved, I think, last week or two weeks ago, and now a lot of them are opening up. Uh, just this past weekend, actually, a lot of them opened up, um, and they're kind of starting to to roll out uh, movies. I think the, I, I checked a couple of the drive-in theaters, and they were a couple of them were playing classics, and a few of them had Invisible Man and Trolls. So you have a little, little bit of an array of movies that uh, – are already out or were already out before the pandemic or then trolls, which was kind of that big VOD release in March, I believe. Um, so, uh, sorry, in April, I think, yeah, for trolls, but I mean, for the most part, I think drive-in theaters, I don't know if they're a worldwide thing. I feel like they're a very Americanized thing that made its way up to Canada, like many other American commodities. Um, but I know that here they're definitely now, since they've been approved to reopen, um, after or, throughout the coronavirus here, they're starting to make a pretty good uh, comeback here in Canada as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd hope that they continue to kind of have that 
throughout the summer. But I think as we get really closer to that magic July date for tenant, um, you know, they're not going to have as much success just because people are going to have more options. Um, but it's it's looking pretty likely like tenant is going to firmly stick to July and not get moved back to August and bump Wonder Woman to December. Um, like everybody seems pretty confident that we'll have the 90% of theaters open so that tenant can have basically the same financial size of release that it would have had, you know, if COVID had never happened. So it's, it's looking pretty hopeful. Yeah. So we had some news um, about this come out um, just this past week. So obviously tenant, their, their main goal is um, to have, 80% of theaters open worldwide for them to actually release. Now, the thing about uh, that, they also specify that they want big markets to be open. They want to see London area uh, open, uh, Los Angeles area open, and New York area open. Um, but this past week, we have kind of reports coming out from the uh, National Association of theaters own, Theater Owners sorry, in the United States. They do believe that 90% of global theaters will be open by July 17. So as I said, Tenet wanted 80% to be open. They believe 90% will be open by July 17. Um, very interesting uh, kind of statement there. I'm kind of skeptical, honestly. I mean, if they're saying that, then that's that's a good sign. I know that uh, in the United States, there's kind of a quicker push to get reopened now here in June. Um but I feel like where I'm at, and, and especially just the, the surrounding area where I'm in, they're going to be very cautious, like like still currently where I live, despite the cases kind of plateauing and, and slowly declining, um, where I live, you still can only have gatherings of up to five people. That's getting moved to 10 next week. So for me, I doubt we'll see my mainstream theaters be open by July 17. I just... Like, it could happen, but it just seems so quick. Like, that's just five weeks away, a um, little over. But, I mean, I guess, yeah, there are other countries that have really pushed through the coronavirus. They're they're over the hump. Um, and there are countries that are now being aggressive with the reopening. So 90% could be, um, it could be, like, theoretical. It could definitely happen. But, I mean, I'm still going to stay skeptical on this, but we'll see. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I think some of the larger chains are really going to wait until they can open everywhere, which means that, you know, hot spots like New York and Los Angeles are going to kind of dictate um, domestically when everything else is going to open up. Um, and so we're just kind of seeing everybody waiting and, you know, they, they really don't have any movies uh, that are going to be big and drawing in crowds right now. So the theaters have to consider whether it's going to be more expensive to open up than it'll be just to not open until tenants here. Um, and if not, you know, like AMC said, they, you know, doubted whether or not they could make it all the way through to, um, through the summer without opening up. And so it's, it's really just kind of anybody's guess. Um, tenants going to kind of dictate it, and if not, Warner Brothers will bring us all together with Wonder Woman the following month. So. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, we're going to keep an eye on this. I think this is something that's going to be developing pretty quickly over the next few weeks because you're really going to start to see if theaters can get open for that July 17 date. But it would be awesome to see um, theaters get open there and tenant to come out and really be a rousing kind of hit. Um, I, I do feel like people want to get out and go to the movies. I think that there's kind of like a um, false sort of narrative that people are 
going to be like that the vast majority of people are going to be a little too nervous to go back in public with other people but i doubt that i I don't think that is is something that is sticks like through the majority of people i'm sure there are going to be small groups of people here or there that that will be cautious um but i i 100 doubt that the vast majority of people are nervous i think people want to get out again they want to do things again um and it's just kind of a waiting game but uh, we'll see yeah um yeah <laughs> that's pretty much it and i mean we're all hoping you know it's been three months um you know if you're in china it's been even longer than that that everybody's just been waiting to get back into the theater and just to watch something new um and i, and I know that theaters are trying their best to meet it but you know this isn't always something that's easy to control um but netflix has been somewhat picking up the slack i mean they've at least been releasing movies whether or not they're actually movies you'd want to go see or you would pay to see if they were in theaters is debatable but they're at least there um so this week's top 10 was pretty historic because this is i think the first time since we've been counting the Netflix top 10 that an Illumination movie, particularly Despicable Me or The Grinch from a couple years ago, has not been in the top 10. And I'm just breathing a sigh of relief. Um, <laughs> just, just feeling with all those parents out there who've had to watch The Grinch 20 times over the past three months and who just needed a break. So, you know, really, this podcast is for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pouring out for them. But um just uh, yeah, Despicable Me and The Grinch. I mean, they were they were hanging in for a long time. Uh, Despicable Me is one that I, I think I could I, I could watch a couple times, but uh, The Grinch. Um, I mean, I think the one time I saw it in theaters was probably enough. I, I didn't hate the movie; I just thought it was fine. But I mean, watching it time and time again, I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, this week's top ten is is a little I'd say a little bit more low profile than past weeks. I don't think there are as many. Um, super popular uh, films on there i mean if you want to take it away yeah so it's it's a, kind of a handful um there's some older movies that have kind of researched and then there's a pretty solid lineup well i say solid um, there's a pretty substantial lineup of new movies that are netflix originals so we had the last days of american crime is in the number one spot and 360 dni is in the number two spot, followed by Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs at number three, The Help up to number four, The Healer at number five, uh, Clueless at number six, which I believe that's in a recent addition to the platform, uh, Uncut Gems still hanging into the top ten at number seven, Twister at number eight, The Night Clerk at number nine, and Nick's favorite, The Wrong Missy at number ten. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you do have, and, and kind of like always, you do have most of the movies are netflix originals that are going to be in the top 10 um so you have the wrong missy that's you know here from a couple weeks ago uh the night clerk and then you're talking about the top two as well uh the last days of american crime and 360 dni or 365 dni which are all uh, netflix movies so i'm not surprised to see them at the top um i'm glad cloudy with a chance of meatballs is up there um you know that movie kind of brought lord and miller into the spotlight and i don't think we can be thankful enough for that that's a good movie i i, I will stand by that i think that's a really fun movie um uh that, that no that's a that's a really good one it's a good movie to pop on i i don't really re- remember the second one that well i don't know if they were attached to it even um maybe just in a producing uh way i, I don't know what what they did with the second film but that first movie is, is quite enjoyable 
Yeah, and it's it's got good meme content. You know, I think 10, 15 years from now, this will be that generation Shrek. Um, it's, it, I think it's up there. Like, it's got good, like that meme of Terry Crews running, or not Terry Crews, uh, I just just popped into Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, <laughs> Mr. T's character running in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that gif a lot. Um, but yeah, I think like a lot of people that kind of grew up with it have a really big fondness for it. Yeah, no, it's good. I think it did it come out in 2009, I believe. Um around around there, maybe 2011. But uh yeah, this is a this is a fun movie. I I don't know. I just love when uh, uh all the food comes raining down in the end. And I even think there's some good meme content with the uh with the uh chickens that uh that absorb that one dude late in the movie. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. I, so I'm I'm glad to see that getting a little more hype on Netflix. Um, I do want to talk about the help, um, just because that movie's been both relevant and not very relevant uh, with everything going on right now. Um, so with all the like, the protests and the rioting and just everything that's going on in the U.S. is you know a lot of people are finally kind of waking up and uh, hoping to address system systemic racism and and make some substantial strides forward towards equality in the country. Um, there's obviously been a push in the past week or so to watch more uh, films that are directed by black actors or by black directors or feature black actors or tell black stories or however you want to look at it, um, just so that they're working more towards diversity of of movies. Um, and there's been a lot of pushback against this movie in particular because kind of like uh, we like to shit on Green Book a lot, um, but this movie is very similar to Green Book. And the fact that it features the like a white savior, the main character in this movie is Emma Stone, a white actress, in case you didn't know that, um, who is telling these black characters stories for them and is kind of the hero who pulls them all out of it, um, which obviously is going to feature a lot of pushback when we're kind of at a time where we're saying, hey, no, we need to focus on these black characters and their experience and their triumphs rather than having them be the sidekick or the guy who gets helped in the end um and so i just i just find it interesting that this movie is up there because it's it's probably a lot of people who are like oh maybe i should get more involved on learning the history of civil rights um because that's kind of a big focus of this movie um but are just kind of misguided in that and i mean this is accessible on netflix and so i think that's why a lot of people are gravitating towards it instead of something that's a little bit more socially relevant yeah, I think I think that's. I mean, I can't say too much to the movie because I, I even after all these years, I haven't uh, I haven't watched it myself. But um, just kind of talking about getting uh, more more socially aware and stuff like that. I know that um, even in Canada there have been protests as well, not to the levels that that we're seeing obviously in the states, um, but up here in Canada there have been many uh, different protests in a lot of the major cities across the country and even even the world i think at least a dozen countries have seen protesting uh, kind of surrounding these issues um but up here i know there are a lot of movie sites i know there there's a uh, a local theater that has a um kind of their own online shop so you can rent movies online like through the theater's name um and just watch them at home i know something they did uh they've made up to 25 um films that kind of as you said tell black stories directed by um black directors kind of star 
uh, predominantly black cast. They've made up to, I think, 25 movies free for the month of June. Um, and, and it's not, like, no-name movies. Like, there are some really good ones off the top of my head, if I'm remembering. I know Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, those are two that they had in there. Black Klansman is in there. I know Just Mercy, which is a lot more recent. Um, Get Out is another one that was in there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, but there were there were there are definitely a couple dozen, and I think that's that's a really nice thing that they did. And there's a lot of just really good movies from recently years back. I know Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple is another one that's in there. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I think that's a really good way to go about it. Um, but yeah, the help is a it's an interesting choice, especially the way you frame that there with that white savior complex, and especially just thinking about Green Book a couple of years ago. I, I, like you think if the help came out potentially a couple of years ago, would it have the same reaction that Green Book had? Um, because the help was almost a decade ago now, and was definitely uh, loved when it came out. I, I would say, I don't know, maybe we've changed. Yeah, and I think part of the issue with Green Book is you know it was up against movies and in you know years before it years right after it you've had a lot of movies that depicted the black experience more authentically and that actually had you know a black voice in the lead rather than you know as a secondary character or the character that gets saved in the end um and i think that's a lot of the pushback on green book is because you know you had kind of the the biggest one culturally of the past few years is going to be get out um, and then you have Black Klansman was up that next year, uh, the same year that Green Book was up. Um, and so I think I think that's a lot of it, whereas The Help came out when you really didn't have anything big um, to that degree, um, you know, kind of telling that same story that I can recall, at least. That's a no, that's a good way to frame it. I think that that's that's definitely a great way to frame it, especially just kind of what things go up against go up against. Sorry. I know um, also that year. Uh, with Green Book, also Black Panther was another major one. Um, and even a movie that didn't get nominated for Best Picture, but was definitely kind of pasted all over the Oscars. It got up to four nominations, I believe, was uh, If Beale Street Could Talk as well, um, which for me is personally the best out of everything we just mentioned in the last uh, few minutes. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it's definitely due to what it went up against. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting kind of retrospect. Yeah, and so I think it's I think it's more one of those things where it just hasn't aged well because everybody's a little bit more exposed to the right way to do a movie like this. Um, and then when you go back, you you really see the faults because um, you know I, Nick and I talked about this a few weeks ago. I guess it would be like a month or two ago now. Time uh, again doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but he and I had both watched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner for the first time, um, and just seeing how poorly that movie has aged in a lot of ways when even at the time it was pretty groundbreaking um and I, you know I'm, I'm not saying the help was ever really that groundbreaking but i think just moving forward and seeing the flaws of even 10 years ago uh just puts it in a new light yeah no that's that's definitely it and um it is interesting to look at movies um looking back on movies and see how they've aged i think that's a pretty important thing to do and it's, it's kind of a, a great thing about movies they they age with you as well you know they're not always just the same thing you watched from the first time you watched it decades down you can look back and grow more fond of a film kind of see the issues uh with a film enjoy a movie more you know like it's 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 a very great um uh relationship yeah so 
who knows? Maybe maybe in ten years we'll feel different about a lot of movies. Maybe in ten years everyone's gonna hate Endgame and love Joker. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Netflix top ten um, was actually still pretty solid this week. Um, Clueless is in at number six. Uh, that's a movie that I've never seen, but you know, the, there's just so many references to it. Um, and just, I think this was one of the first big meme movies in kind of the early days of the internet. Um, I mean, like every, everybody knows if you say the words as if everybody immediately thinks about this movie. Um, and it's one I've actually never seen yet. So I'm going to try and get to that either tonight or tomorrow, uh, which should be fun. Uh, our fan favorite uncut gems still in at number seven. And then Twister is another movie that I've just never gotten around to, but there's just a lot of hype around it. So I'll probably check it out at some point. Yeah, Twister, uh, uh, something that my my teacher used to love playing during a natural disasters class back in high school and uh, in, uh, um, in, yeah, in, in geography as well. Like, you just like playing that movie. I think that's the only time I've watched it. Um, it's enjoyable. I mean, it's a good time, but it's also kind of one of those um iconic movies even if it's uh not not the greatest movie out there it's definitely um has kind of a kind of a great nostalgic uh feel to it especially if you're in the united states and i know that where you live i think you're probably pretty close to a tornado alley oh yeah i'm like dead center in tornado alley so i'm pretty sure this is i'm pretty sure this is the most popular movie that takes place in my state um, next to the Wizard of Oz, because I'm pretty sure this is a, a Kansas movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? So I, I feel like there's, there's, I mean, the rest of the world doesn't really experience tornadoes like the United States. Um, and I think Twister definitely has, it, it, it's kind of like a, um, I don't know, I feel like it's it's kind of that one movie that stands, like, like, I guess I could think of Jaws, like that's kind of the one shark movie that kind of stands out i mean th- there aren't really many other ones that uh i guess besides uh, shark okay. <laughs> um <laughs> there aren't many other shark movies that that really stand out i mean tornado movies i, I can't name any besides twister so i feel like twister kind of kind of kind of made it and then there there really wasn't anything else that they could do with with that type of movie um but uh yeah it's it's, it's definitely an iconic movie I'm a little upset that you'd mentioned both sharks and tornado movies without talking about Sharknado, because <laughs> um, it's kind of the best of both worlds. But yeah, uh, that's a good point. It's the uh, the, the the crossover. I uh, that slipped my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Netflix's top ten is pretty solid, especially since they're having to compete with HBO Max now. Um, this is a solid lineup. Yeah, HBO Max. Do you do you have it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard I, I've heard great things. I mean, I, I see photos of the library and it looks great. I know it's not. I don't think it's available outside of the United States at this moment, but it's. Uh, it. I mean, it looks like something worth having. Yeah, it's got especially if you're talking about older movies. Um, it's got a really stacked catalog with all of its Criterion films, as well as its partnership with Turner Classic Movies. Um, so it's it's definitely got a really strong catalog to open with. Um, and you know, they're going to have a lot more of the, like a lot more blockbusters and things like that, um, which, you know, they're, they're getting the Snyder cut too. So, uh, they're pretty unchallenged at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, exactly. Uh, but other than that, this was also my, 
first theater visit in three, like right at three months this past week, um, which was exciting. I went to a, a little like mom and pop theater and saw a rerun of The Goonies, uh, which I think this was the first time I'd seen The Goonies in about 10 years. And so this was only the second time I'd ever seen the movie. And it was just as like, kind of wondrous and fun as I remembered it being and wanted it to be again. Um, so 10 out of 10 would recommend the Goonies. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, even just movie aside, I mean, it's great to see a classic when you return. We've been talking about how that's kind of a great way to, to probably return to theaters, but I mean, how was it just kind of walking in there, sitting down, seeing the lights dim and just, uh, watching the movie? It felt wrong almost, you know, I've just been like watching movies at home for so long. Um, but just like walking in to the lobby and it, it was a little small theater I'd never been in before. Um, but just like walking into the lobby and just like that smell of popcorn hits you when you just like look down the hall and you see all the auditoriums, it was just such a good feeling. Um, and then just to sit down and relax and watch a movie on the big screen. Um, you know, even if it wasn't a movie that I probably would have defaulted to, if I got to pick, it was something that I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to go see that one. Um, and so, you know, even though I, you know, I don't have a particular fondness for the Goonies um, growing up, you know, I only saw it once before. It was just such a good time watching it and getting to kind of relive that for the first time almost. Yeah, no, that's that, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really I really want to get back to uh, back to the theaters. I know that obviously I spoke about earlier in the show um, driving theaters are now opening up around here and I, I definitely am going to check one out at some point just the weather i mean it's definitely a little warmer where you are most likely being a lot uh, more south in comparison to where i'm at but the night still gets a little bit chilly um so i mean i mean it like it, it'll be fun though i'm looking forward to getting out to a drive-in because i don't even know if i've ever been to one um in my life I, i'm not too sure maybe when i was really young but i this would be the first time I really can remember and take in the experience. So that'd be quite fun. And I think it's probably the perfect time to do it as well. Yeah. I'm not too big a fan of the drive-in just because like normally if I go to the drive-in, right, I'm not going to go, um, you know, specifically to watch the movie. I'm going to go to hang out with friends for the most part. And then, you know, you got speakers and just people in their cars walking around. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's the best way to experience a movie. It's definitely a fun experience overall and just a fun thing to go do. Yeah, and I mean, it's I, I like that they do the, um, that most of them do uh, the double feature as well. I think that's that's pretty fun because you might, I mean, you might have one movie you want to you wanna go watch and then the other one you kind of just kind of leisurely uh, pay attention to. But um, no, I mean, I, I think I just, I just do want to go for that drive-in experience and obviously capitalizing on... Um, just this whole scenario and especially helping out these uh these businesses because they definitely need it in this time oh yeah yeah it's definitely a good thing to go support with with everything going on and that has been going on for the past few months definitely but i mean you're lucky you're lucky i'm dying to go back to the theater i don't think there's a single um actual indoor movie theater open in this country yet um but i'm hoping I'm hoping that happens uh, by by the time Tenet can can hit theaters. Um, I mean, you're, you're a lucky guy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very happy. We'll, we'll do it again. Um, if especially if it takes a while for the the big theaters and new stuff to open up, I'm happy to go to a little mom and pop theater. 
um, and go support them and just enjoy doing something I love doing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and also just want to add a, another tidbit for you. Um, <laughs> this is, this is good. So I'm just, I checked with the Netflix top 10 here in Canada and I know you're a huge, uh, uh, sarcastically, a huge Fast and Furious fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, half of the Netflix top ten in Canada is Fast and Furious movies. And <laughs> the, in, the entire franchise was just dumped onto Netflix Canada uh, last week. But uh, which five are the top top five, or the in the top ten, though? That's a real question. Um, <laughs> well, we got, we got Fast Five. We got uh, Fast the the fast and the furious we got fast and furious 7 um we got uh hobbs and shaw so i guess you can definitely count that as kind of one of the spin-offs and then too fast and too furious that's the only one that surprises me is too fast too furious because in my experience everybody seems to not like that one yeah, it's sitting in at number 10, so maybe it's out of pure curiosity. But Maybe it's just like people have started the marathon and only hit two, so they're like, well, I've already watched this one, so. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting, though. I mean, it's it's great to look at that top 10, and you just feel that, that pure cinema. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is, uh, that's this week on the Movie Bible Podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Make sure to check back next week. We'll be talking about more top 10. Uh, hopefully Uncut will still be in the Netflix top 10 and just a little more theater news and just our watching experiences. And remember, you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com and we'll talk at you next week. Yeah.